hey, I love you guys, not because I know any of you, but because I love Josh. So Josh, um, Josh and I both got demoted from working with students. So we were both uh, youth pastors in this area, got to know each other a lot of years ago. And then we got the assignment to work with adults, and adults are not cool. You're not cool. Uh, no, teenagers are awesome, right? And so what you see is what you get with teenagers. And all of us as adults, we like to put up fronts. We're really good at putting on shows and facades where teenagers, like, I don't know. So I, I like you. I, I like you, but adults, right? So I want today to be all in with you. I want to be very present in this moment right here, right now. I don't want to think about my church family in Allentown. Don't want to think about what the worship team is doing there, what church is doing there. I don't want to think about football, at least not just yet. I don't want to think about lunch, at least just not yet. I want to be here all in right now with you. And I have a question. Do you want to be all in with me? And you're lying because you don't know me. Like, you don't know me. Like, I'm just some guy that, that showed up from Allentown. And Allentown people, like, you know, right? Like, they're from the city. They're weird, right? So, you don't know me. I'm a guest speaker. It's 11 o'clock or something on a Sunday morning. And it's hard to be all in. But I think for most of us, we value when people are all in. We value that. So, at work... Your coworkers, your boss, do you want your boss and your coworkers to be all in? Like, right. Do you want your doctor to be all in? Do you want your mechanic to be all in? Do you want your barber to be all in, whoever cuts your hair? Like, wherever you go, in whatever situation you find yourself in, you want people to be all in. If you go to a wedding, and it's love, right? There's love in the air, and it's such a good time, and you think the couple's you know, beautiful, oh, this is going to be so romantic. And they get to the vows section of the wedding ceremony. You know the part where we say, I vow in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, I'm going to be faithful to you till death do us part. Can you imagine if the groom was like, whoa, 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 whoa hold on. Like, I'll do death do us part, but I, I don't want to do sickness. So I'll vow to this woman in health till death do us part, but not sickness. Right? You'd be like, what's up with this loser? Right? You'd be like, no, you want your spouse to be all in. Right? I think it's what we want. And I want you and you want me to more than just say we're all in, but to act like we're all in. Right? And so if I say to you, hey, you're moving next month, right? I'll help. I love lifting refrigerators. If you have a refrigerator that's going from the third floor to the first floor, I'm your guy. I love carrying, and please don't empty it out. Just like I want it full because I can lift. I'm ready. And then the moving truck shows up, and I text you and say, you know what? I, I got something else. I got to organize my sock drawer, you know, and so I, I can't make it, right? I said I was all in. I was your guy. When push comes to shove, I, I, I wasn't there. We don't like that, right? When someone says, I'm all in, but then they hold back. Like, your car is going to be ready at 5 o'clock. Just come. It's going to be ready, and you get there, and they haven't even started on your car, right? Or your friend says, they're all in, right? They're going to be here for you, and then things get hard. And they, right? So we all want people to be all in. And I think deep down inside, 
most of us want to be all in in whatever situation we find ourselves in. That's true in everyday life when things are going really well. How much more is that true when things are bad? So you guys have been through a hard season. I mean, certainly the Ott family has been through a hard season. Certainly this congregation has been through a hard season. This community losing just a rock star in Randy, just such a good man. This has been hard. And you add on top of that all that's gone on with COVID and the division in our country, just all the things that are happening. This is a difficult season. And when things are difficult, don't you want to know who's on your team? You want to know who's all in with you? And if this is true, generically, on good days and bad days, when we're all in, that's important to all of us. Is that also true about God? Do you want God all in with you or just a little? Do you want a little forgiveness? Do you want all? It's like you want all, but somehow like we forget that God wants all too. We say we're all in. How about the church, right? When you show up here, you expect you're going to be greeted by Santa Claus, right? You expect that you're going to have great opportunities to interact with people. There's going to be good coffee, good music, good technology. You expect that. Grace better be ready when I come with the kids ministry and the student ministry and the worship ministry and this and that and this and that. But are you all in? It's easy to say you want it from everybody else, but what about you and me, are we all in? So here's why I love the Bible. The Bible's super relevant, and it addresses every kind of topic. It gives us the character of God. It also holds a mirror up to you and me for us to see ourselves and see how an interaction and a relationship with God looks like and how God sees the world and sees individuals. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4 today, verse 36. Turn your Bibles on, open them up. Love for you to follow along with me in Acts chapter 4 verse 36. And here in this passage, we're going to see two individuals who say they're all in, but they're only half in. And we're going to see how this interaction happens. I will warn you, this is a heavy passage. It's a sobering passage. It's a passage full of warning. So let's ask God to help us lean into this moment. God, you are good to us and you love us. Your spirit lives inside all who trust you by faith. And so now, as we lean into this moment, remove every distraction, help us not think about football and food and what we're going to do this afternoon, but help us to be right here, right now, in this moment. Give us grace, and the Holy Spirit convict us if there's things we're doing wrong, and encourage us in ways we're living right. I pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Acts chapter 4. Verse 36, some context. This is very shortly after Jesus has lived and died and rose again and ascended back to God. The people that we're going to talk about today had firsthand experience with Jesus. And when you put your trust in Jesus, he puts his spirit inside you. Spirit takes up residence inside us. Really neat. And so what happens in these early moments in the book of Acts, the church of Jesus Christ starts. Not a building, but a group of people begin to gather. It's not about a building. It's about people who have committed their heart and mind to Christ. And they gather together and they start living together, loving together, serving together. They even look at their personal possessions and they go, my possessions are not my possessions. They're actually for everyone. 
No one had any need. No one thought their money was their own. They shared everything. Check out what happens in verse 36, Acts chapter 4, verse 36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So this guy named Barnabas sells a field, brings it, and gives it to the church leadership. A real man sold a real field and gave the money away. And he's no super Christian. He's an ordinary guy who believed in Jesus. And Jesus had so transformed his life that this guy saw some need within their Christian community and was like, I can help. And the text says he sold a field. It didn't say he sold all his fields. It doesn't say he liquidated all his assets. He sold a field and gave the money to help other people. Luke's giving us an example of what it means to be all in. I mean, can you imagine if you couldn't pay your rent and someone in the church family sold their Honda Accord or their RV or a field so that you could pay your bills? I mean, this is incredible. You want to know if someone's all in with you? You can't pay your bills and they sell something, right? Like a pretty, pretty cool example. Let's continue. So you have this in the background of your mind, this guy named Barnabas selling a field to help someone. Chapter 1, or chapter 5, verse 1, Acts. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, they also sold a piece of property. With his full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. He brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said to him, Ananias, how is it that, that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and kept, yourself, kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young man came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. That's nice. After three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down dead at his feet. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out too and buried her beside her husband. That's nice. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Are you tracking what's going on here? This church is so united in purpose. They love Jesus. They see the needs of other people. They're starting to sell their fields, their possessions. This guy named Barnabas does it. And then Ananias and Sapphira are like, hey, we got land. We'll sell it. So they sell the land. They take the cash. I imagine they're sitting at the kitchen table and they're looking at the cash. And they're going, you know what? The water heater just broke. We could give the cash, but we got to pay for this water heater. So let's keep the water heater money. And let's give the cash to 
the church. And so they make this agreement, and Ananias goes to bring the money to the church leadership, and Sapphira goes to Starbucks for a latte, and Ananias shows up and gives the money to Peter. And I'd imagine he's super excited. Peter, we sold all this property, and here's all the money. And Peter's not a stupid guy. He sees something fishy and goes, really? Is this all the money? What made you think you could do such a thing? You have not lied to men, Peter says, but to God. And Ananias drops dead. A few hours later, in rolls Sapphira with her latte, all bubbly and happy, like, hey, Pete, what's up? And Peter says to her, is this all the money that you got for the field? And she says, yep. And he says, how could you test the Spirit of the Lord this way? Your husband just dropped dead because he's a frog. And now you're going to die too. And she takes a dirt nap. And Luke says, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these things. I mean, as you listen to this passage of Scripture, it's easy for all of us to go, really? Like, is this who God is? This is the God of the Bible? What the heck is up with this passage and with people dying because they're holding back money? And I get it. This is one of those passages where it would be easier to go, you know what, I really don't like this part of Scripture, so let's just rip this one out. Instead of looking at the mirror of what this is trying to teach us about God and about ourselves, so we can grow in what it looks like to be all in. So a couple things worth noting. Ananias and Sapphira are Christians. These aren't just a couple of people that rolled in to check out what's going on in church. They're not seeking God. They're not questioning. They're not doubting. These are committed followers of Christ. Twice, Peter says, you've got the Holy Spirit inside you, which means you've put your trust in Jesus and he's put his spirit inside you. These are committed. We're all in part of the family of God. And God is no dummy. So we put on false fronts with people and we think we can fool people. And we often do fool one another with all kinds of facades. We put up images of what we want to be, what we think we are. We want people to think certain things about us. And I could fool you and you could fool me. But none of us can fool God. Hebrews 4, 13 says, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him who we must give an account. So God sees everything. He's no dummy. And Peter says, You have not lied to men, but to God. He says to Sapphira, How could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord. There's something in this where they're trying willfully, deliberately to fool God. And God's not going to be fooled. And I, and I know something about this because I was the kid growing up that tested my parents all the time. And I would hear it from my mom, my dad, don't test my patience. Don't. And I would constantly do whatever I needed to see how far I could go, how much I could get away with. Some of us are like this. That's what's happening with Ananias and Sapphira. They're pushing to see what's God going to do? How's he going to react? I can get away with this. Justifying in their minds, putting up a fraud, a false self, saying I'm all in, but they're not 
all in, thinking they're going to fool people and fool God. But God is no dummy, and He will protect the unity and the authenticity of His family. See, God is all about truth, all about the unity and the authenticity of His family. Can you imagine if Ananias and Sapphira got away with this? I mean, how many people look at the church of Jesus Christ and go, you guys are a bunch of fakes. You're always doing wrong things. You say one thing and live another. There's things that happen in churches that should never happen, that are sinful and wrong. And if you just wash that under the carpet or push it under the carpet and do nothing about it, what happens to the community of faith? And so God shows himself in this moment to protect the authenticity and the unity of his family. He can't just look the other way and go, this is okay. Yeah, Barnabas, you sold, and that was legit, but you guys hedged a little bit, kept some money for your water heater. You know, I'll look the other way. No, God can't do that. So this passage shows me God's heart. He loves unity and authenticity in his family, and he will protect the unity and the authenticity of his family. And these types of passages in the Bible are not intended by God to make us afraid. They do serve as a warning, right? And here's what I know. Ananias and Sapphira, if they put their trust in Jesus and they're real followers of Christ, the Spirit of God lives inside, we're going to meet them someday in heaven. This doesn't mean that they're doomed to hell. This isn't God striking someone down for making a mistake and go, you go to hell now. And that's not what this is. This is them getting what they deserve. They're fake and frauds. And God's like, i got to demonstrate early on in the beginning of this church, in this Christian fellowship, that I will protect the unity and the authenticity of my family. This does serve as practical warnings. Sometimes it's easy for us to want all in with everyone else want others to be all in with us. We're going to be all in. But when we look at God and look at his family, like, eh, I don't really have to be all in with God. And I certainly don't have to be all in with the church family. And I think this serves as a warning to remind us, like, no, this is serious stuff going on here. So let me give you some maybe practical things that help me think about if I want to be all in with the Lord and with his family, what are some things I can do? And I'm just going to give you some practical advice in the form of warnings because I think this passage is a passage about warnings. So first thing, beware of overestimating yourself and underestimating costs. Beware of overestimating yourself, underestimating costs. I'll say it this way. I I started to renovate a bathroom. I overestimated myself and underestimated the cost, right? I thought I could spackle, right? I thought my back wouldn't hurt when I'm lying on the ground putting tile in. I underestimated the cost of how much money. I thought I could do this really cheap, right? I underestimated that my body doesn't bend in certain ways. I think this is normal for all of us, that we overestimate our abilities and we underestimate costs. I think that was what's going on with Ananias and Sapphira. They overestimated their faith in Christ, 
and they underestimated the cost of sitting at the kitchen table with all this cash, and they say in their minds, we're going to give it all, but they're looking at this cash, and they're looking at the water heater they need, and they go, ah. They underestimated the cost of giving it all away, and they thought their faith was stronger, and this is normal for us. I mean, when you go to a wedding, you talk to married people, when you say to them, you know, you're going to make this vow till death do us part, Every couple goes, yeah, yeah, that's great. I could do that. Like, really? You overestimate yourself and you underestimate the cost of in sickness and health for richer, for poorer means on good days and bad days when you're feeling like it and when you're not, when the loving feeling is there and when it's not. Are you committed? Are you in? It's easy to go, yeah, I got this, and not realize just how costly it will be in the moment. I think this is normal for humans. And as followers of Christ, we forget sometimes just how weak and frail, how broken, how great temptation is, how real an enemy we have in Satan who is prowling around trying to distract and destroy. And we think we got this. I got this. I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll do whatever you ask me to do, not realizing how hard it is. I used to give in to those kinds of temptations. I used to do those kinds of things. But I've turned over a new leaf. And I'll never do that again. Overestimating ourselves and underestimating the cost of surrendering and following Jesus. Or married and raising kids. Or just how hard it is to be committed to a church. How hard it is to give when I have a water heater to pay for. How hard it is when you say, I'll volunteer for kids' ministry, but then you got to get up and come to church early and get ready and serve. Easy to say, I'm all in. But when you look at this situation, I think Ananias and Sapphira had good intentions. They sold the property. They looked at the water heater that they need. They go, ah, I can keep a little bit for myself. They negotiated in their minds. They said, who would ever know? What's the big deal? And this entire story would be different if they were just honest. If they just said, well, I I sold the property, Peter. I I was going to give it all. That was my intention. But you know what? We got this water heater. And I, I need to pay for this water heater. So we kept out money for the water heater. Peter, you understand. And we're giving the rest to the Lord. Peter goes, great, that sounds awesome. It was your money. You could do whatever you want. Just don't be a fraud. Don't say I'm all in and then I'm half in. Beware of overestimating yourself and underestimating the cost of anything and with anyone. I also think we should beware of underestimating God We underestimate just how much He loves us. We underestimate just how much He cares about us and He understands us. And oh, by the way, He loves you so much that even when you're a fraud, He says, you're my fraud. I love you with an everlasting love. And on your good days and on your bad days. On the days you say you're all in and on the days I know you're saying you're all in, but you're not. I love you then too. I love you on your good days, your best days, your worst days. I don't just love you and the future version of what you're going to become when you clean up your act and you get it all right. 
I love you right now. I love Joe 1.0, and when you grow and become different with my help, I love Joe 2.0, and I don't need you to become Joe 2.0 right now. I'm with you always. I love you right here, right now. And my grace is for you. I am patient with you. I get you. I understand you. I love you. We can't underestimate any longer the love and grace of God. He is so patient and so kind and so forgiving, and He knows that you're trying to impress people. He knows that you're holding back, and He still says, I love you. But we also have to stop underestimating God's truth. You know, He is for the truth. He is the truth. And God is, the Bible describes Jesus coming from God, full of grace and truth. It's interesting. I want God's grace, but sometimes I don't want His truth. Oh, I want His truth for you. I I want you to know the truth, and you to follow the truth, and you to be held accountable to the truth. But me, I just want grace. You know you can't get both without, we can't get one without the other. Like, you don't get His grace without His truth. And you don't get His truth without His grace. And we underestimate the grace and the truth of God. That He is all at one time both so incredibly loving and so protective of what is true and authentic and right. He is full of grace and truth. Last thing. Beware of being half in to anything. Beware of being half in to anything because here's the deal. If you're half in, you're also half out, right? It's like it's kind of simple. I'm not a math guy, but if I'm half in, I'm also half in, half out. So if I'm half in in my marriage, I'm also half out. If I'm half in in parenting, I'm also half out. If I'm half in at work, I'm also half out. If I'm half in with God, I'm also half out. If I'm half in at Grace Free Church, I'm also half out. Beware of being half in because Jesus is never half in with you. He's 110% in. He loves you. He's for you. He's for the truth. He's for authenticity. He's for his family. He's for using us in our brokenness and in our greatness. All of it. He's for us 110%. Are you for him? And, And here's what's interesting. I think there's some people here today, some people watching online, that you're not all in with Jesus. And I'm so glad that you're here. It's like, it's okay if you're not all in with Jesus. Just be honest about it. Hey, I'm curious. I'm seeking. I'm questioning. I don't know much about Jesus. Some of the things I do know are kind of whack, especially listening to you talking about people dying because they held back money. Like, it's okay if you're not all in with Jesus. Just be honest about it. I also know there's some people that could be here in this moment who you're not all in with the church because the church has hurt you. Maybe not this church, but the church and Christians have done or said stupid things. And you look at the organized religion and you go, I can't be all in with this. I get it. Just be honest about that. 
be honest. But if you're here today or watching online and you know Jesus as your Savior and you want to follow Him and you've committed your life to Him and He put His Spirit inside you, then be all in. Be all in with Christ and be all in with the family of God. And that's hard. I get it. Like, I'm preaching to myself. It's hard. It's vulnerable to say I'm all in. It costs to be all in. But when you're honest and authentic with God about wanting to be all in, you know what He does? He meets you right there. With His Spirit's help, He comes alongside you to help you and to empower you and to encourage you to be all in. And so the aspect of me that's not all in with my wife, the days that it's really hard for me to be all in and I'm not having that loving feeling towards her and she's annoying me and driving me nuts and she doesn't do the toilet paper right, like I can ask the Lord to help me. And the Spirit of Almighty God helps me to be loving and patient and kind and loyal. When I'm, when I'm all in with Jesus and, I, and I'm struggling because I'm facing temptations, I invite him into those temptations and say, God, I'm tempted to give back into this situation, into these circumstances. I'm struggling. I said I would never do that again, but I'm face to face with this temptation and I need your help. And you know what he does? His spirit comes and helps me. God, I want to be all in at Grace Church. I want to be someone who serves and gives, but it costs me to do that. Would you help me? And you know what His Spirit does? His Spirit helps you. And so He meets us in our authenticity. So if today you're struggling with doubts because you don't believe there's a God who's actually loving, kind, and totally for you, be honest with God about that. He, he can see it. He knows. So talk to Him about that and watch as He meets you. If you're struggling to believe Christian community is worth your time, and energy. You're half into church and half out. Be honest and he'll meet you there. But if you say you're all in, then by golly, quit playing games. Be all in. Be all in in loving one another. Be all in in being patient with one another. Be all in in being kind, seeking justice and what's right in every aspect of this world. Be all in with your money. Someone has a need. Be all in with your service. A church family doesn't operate without people being a part of this body and doing something with their gifts and talents. My dad taught me that there's only two types of people in the church of Jesus Christ. There's givers and there's takers. What are you? Are you a giver or are you a taker? This is so much more than money. It's about how you show up. One of the greatest things you could do to bring encouragement to this church is say, I am all in. I don't know what that means. With God's help, I'm all in. And watch how God meets you there. How He gives you grace and strength and hope and joy and purpose. Uh, I'm done playing games with God. And I know that's a costly statement. I'm done playing games with Christian community. I know that's a costly statement. But with God's help, we can do this together. Let's pray. Father, thank you 
for the opportunity to talk today to my family at Grace Free Church. Thank you that though we don't know each other, you know us and you've brought us into the same family that by faith in Jesus Christ we're united together. God, would you help us wherever we are in our journey? If we're just seeking and we're questioning and we're curious, I pray that you would show yourself strong to every person on campus today and every person watching online. God, if we're kind of questioning whether this is the right family, maybe grace isn't the right family for you, but help us to find the right church family because whatever family that is, may we commit. And if this is the right family, would you help us to lean in? And would you use this church family to show this world love and justice and peace and kindness and creativity and joy because when we're all in with you and you're all in with us we can do incredible things for your kingdom so watch over and bless this church family in every possible way in christ's name amen